48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. The SAR's sole chief executive candidate sets out his election platform. The government plans to ease COVID requirements for aircrew flying to Hong Kong. And the harbour crossing extension of the East Rail Line may open in just over two weeks. The sole chief executive candidate, John Lee, says he'll focus on strengthening governance, boosting land and housing supply, improving Hong Kong's competitiveness and building a more caring community. This comes as the city's former number two official announced his election platform at the Wan Chai Exhibition Centre. Vicky Wong reports. The former chief secretary said he would allow people to move into public housing earlier, even if the surrounding infrastructure isn't fully ready, saying this could shorten the waiting time by about a year. John Lee also said he would set up a mechanism to mobilise civil servants in times of crisis and push for Article 23 national security legislation at an appropriate time. Mr Lee added he would strengthen the government's ability to govern and execute policies and that he's likely to support the current administration's plan to restructure government. Asked about a reported uptick in immigration, Mr Lee said Hong Kong remains an attractive place. He said one of the reasons for people leaving the SAR was the city's COVID policies, but he stressed that the pandemic would eventually end. In the long term, it is how we make people realise the attractiveness and the competitiveness and the beauty of Hong Kong as a place they should come to work, to live and to develop. And the strengths I have highlighted in my manifesto has already indicated there are many unique advantages that other places don't have. The fact that Hong Kong is a metropolitan city, that we are open to all parts of the world. We have advantage in language. We are an inclusive society and it is a lively city. There are a lot of strengths that will attract people to come. The sole non-establishment lawmaker, Tik Chi Yoon, said he was very disappointed Mr Lee's manifesto didn't say anything about pushing forward with universal suffrage. Health officials reported 366 new COVID infections, down about 50 from yesterday. All but 14 were local cases. There were 11 deaths. The government is easing COVID-19 requirements for aircrew flying into Hong Kong from Sunday, saying it's in step with other moves to relax measures for inbound travellers on the same day. Frank Young reports. The mandatory quarantine period for returning locally-based passenger flight crews will be slashed from seven days to three at a designated hotel. They then must undergo medical surveillance for another 11 days. But cargo aircrew will be exempt from quarantine, so they will only have to complete a two-week medical surveillance upon arrival. During that period, they must repeatedly get tested for COVID and lock their activities, but only for the first week. Authorities say the changes would relieve local airline staffing constraints and boost their flight capacity. The government is also lifting the outbound travel alert on overseas countries on Sunday, although the Department of Health still advises people to avoid non-essential travel. RTHK has learned that the MTR plans to launch the harbour crossing extension of the East Rail Line on May the 15th. That means southbound trains on the line will no longer stop at Hong Hom, but at Admiralty via the Exhibition Centre. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen said the long-awaited extension will cause more congestion on the East Rail Line and another railway should be planned in eastern New Territories. Southern Central Line will be very convenient. It will be the uh, jewel of the Hong Kong rail network. 
the whole city has been waiting, you know, 30, 40, 50 years for this to happen. It's finally a direct cross-harbor rail. So in so doing, it's going to add to the burden of that with the new territories north, new town development. So they have to start planning for a parallel line to connect to Taiwan. The UN Refugee Agency says more than 3,000 migrants died or went missing at sea last year while trying to get to Europe. It's significantly higher than the figure for the previous year. Nearly 2,000 were reported dead or missing in the central or western Mediterranean, while 1,100 died trying to reach the Canary Islands in the Atlantic. And a quick look at the weather. It'll become cloudy overnight. Visibility will be relatively low with one or two isolated showers at first. Sunny intervals with temperatures between 26 and 30 degrees. And the outlook, there'll be showers in the following couple of days. You're listening to, you're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The chairman of the Hong Kong Association of Travel Agents, Ronald Wu, says the response to local tours since the easing of COVID measures a week ago has been better than expected. Mr Wu says he expects there'll be more such tours for the upcoming long weekends for Labor Day and Buddha's birthday. I, I think uh, we were getting a better than expected um, inquiries from, from, the, uh, from the local local uh, local people in Hong Kong. Um, mainly because um, you know a lot of them, a lot all of them actually have been have been kind of stuck at home for the past three months. So as soon as uh, as soon as the uh, the local tours are allowed to resume, um, you know we we are expecting uh, um, there to be quite a bit of tours coming uh, in the next two long weekends. Mr. Wu said the tours will be organised into groups of less than the 30 people and that they will not need to self-test beforehand. Drivers and tour guides, however, will need to get tested before work. The mainland has added almost 15,600 COVID-19 cases. Most of the new infections came from Shanghai, which also reported 52 more deaths. Beijing, meanwhile, logged 47 symptomatic cases and two asymptomatic ones. During a press conference, officials again dismissed concerns that restrictions from the country's dynamic zero-COVID policy are slowing the world's second-largest economy. Speaking through an interpreter, the head of an expert group leading the mainland's epidemic response, Liang Guanyan, said the policy helps protect people's lives and the economy. It's not like this dynamic zeroing policy, the measures in this regard are to compromise economic progress of people's daily lives. This is not true. They are in synergy. A green group says recycling bins should not be completely phased out. This comes as the Environmental Production Department said it foresees a decline in demand for roadside recycling bins in urban areas. In future, it said these bins will mainly provide recycling for remote rural areas and scattered residential premises and may even be replaced by the Green at Community Recycling Network. But Edmund Lau from Green Earth opposes the idea. We could think about enhancing the system to uh, collecting food waste or other kinds of recyclables that are not very covered by the community recycling station system or the recyclables that is highly produced among household and commercial industrial needs that they need a higher coverage. They don't want to carry them too far away to recycle them. It's a position for recycling bins to carry on. Turning overseas... 
The European Union's border agency, Frontex, has been holding emergency talks after reports emerged that its chief, Fabrice Leggeri, had offered to resign. It's faced specific allegations that it was involved in illegal pushbacks of migrants between Turkey and Greece. Mr Legere has previously dismissed the accusations. The BBC's Jessica Parker reports from Brussels. Frontex, which helps manage the EU's external borders, has faced claims it was aware of human rights violations but failed to report them, specifically allegations of illegal pushbacks of migrants in the Aegean Sea. The EU's anti-fraud watchdog Olaf launched an investigation last year. The European Commission said it couldn't yet comment on Olaf's report but conceded that the agency, which it said had grown rapidly, hadn't necessarily always acted in the way that had been hoped. Sri Lanka has announced that its National Assembly will choose a new Prime Minister and Council of Ministers as part of the President's agreement to form an all-party interim government. There have been increased protests in Sri Lanka over the response by the government of Gotabaya Rajapaksa to the economic crisis. The BBC's Anbarasan Etirajan reports. There is growing public anger in Sri Lanka over the increasing prices of essential items after the government imposed import restrictions due to a shortage of foreign exchange reserves. The protesters want the government to step down. The proposal for an all-party interim government is seen as an attempt to calm the protesters and also to unite alliance parties which had left the coalition. It's not clear whether the opposition parties will accept the plan. Authorities in India say around half the country is facing a heat wave. The mercury touched 51 degrees in the Rajasthan town of Palodi yesterday. That's the highest temperature ever recorded in India. Here's the BBC's Nitin Srivastava. This March was the third hottest in more than 100 years. The early onset of sweltering summers appear to have taken everyone by surprise. The heat has been aggravated by lack of rains. Power outages are becoming frequent as states struggle to manage record demands for electricity. Unable to deal with this unprecedented situation, the Delhi government has warned of a possible interruption in power supply to important establishments including metro trains and hospitals. A former Afghan general says that he and many other former soldiers and politicians are preparing to launch military operations against the Taliban in the coming days. Lieutenant General Sami Sadat, who had just taken over the command of Afghan special forces when the government collapsed last August, said they put up with eight months of increasingly harsh Taliban rule. Every day you wake up, the Taliban have had something new to do. They've torturing people, killing, disappearances, food shortages, children malnutrition and everything. And it's easy for others like in the West or elsewhere to say give the Taliban a chance. But it's not easy for me that every day I see in my phone getting hundreds of messages from young girls, young boys, from doctors and officers and says we've been tortured, we've been oppressed, we've been disrespected and what are you going to do about it? President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine says a Russian missile attack on Kyiv during a visit by the UN Secretary General illustrates Russia's contempt for global institutions. Mr Zelensky said the strikes showed that civilians in Ukrainian cities could not relax. Today, immediately after the end of our talks in Kyiv, Russian missiles flew into the city. Five missiles 
And this says a lot about Russia's true attitude to global institutions, about the efforts of the Russian leadership to humiliate the UN and everything that the organization represents. Therefore, it requires a strong response. Russia's defense ministry said the strikes had destroyed a rocket factory. Meanwhile, heavy fighting is continuing in eastern Ukraine, where Russian forces are trying to take the entire Donbass region. A presidential adviser said Ukraine had taken serious losses, but Russian casualties had been colossal. British defence officials said there had been particularly intense clashes around the cities of Lysychansk and Severodonetsk. The governor of Kharkiv region said five civilians were killed there in what he described as near-continuous shelling. An investigation into corruption in South Africa during the government of Jacob Zuma has found that the former president placed the interests of an influential Indian family above that of the country. In the fourth part of a report on what's been become known as state capture, investigator said Mr Zuma had re- removed competent people from government at the wishes of the Gupta family. The report said the Guptas identified Mr Zuma as someone who could be used to advance their business interests. And for a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. Will there be a twist in the Premier League title race this weekend? Second place Liverpool have the chance to pile the pressure on leaders Manchester City on Saturday because they play first. So if Liverpool beats Newcastle in the early game, they'll be two points clear of Man City by the time they play Leeds United in the late game. Liverpool were given a huge boost ahead of the game with the news that manager Jurgen Klopp has signed a new two-year contract extension at the club. But opponents Newcastle are in great form. They've won their last four games. As for Man City, they face a Leeds side who are unbeaten in their last five matches. Away from the title race, the fight to finish in fourth place to qualify for the Champions League is providing added tension, particularly as it's a battle between North London rivals Arsenal and Tottenham. Arsenal are currently in that fourth spot, too clear of Spurs. This weekend, Arsenal have a London derby v West Ham, who will rotate their squad due to their involvement in the Europa League. And Tottenham take on Leicester, who will also be distracted by the prospect of a UEFA Conference League semi-final against Roma. Meanwhile, in the relegation battle, Burnley, who are just outside the bottom three, are aiming to win three league games in a row. They play Watford. Official European data shows a sharp, marked slowdown of growth in the Eurozone in the first three months of the year, and inflation is at record levels. The EU's official statistics agency says the 19 countries using the euro achieved just 0.2% growth in the first quarter. Economists say output was weakened by higher prices, the Ukraine war and remaining COVID restrictions. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. The SAR's sole chief executive candidate sets out his election platform. The government plans to ease COVID requirements for aircrew flying to Hong Kong. And the harbour crossing extension of the East Rail Line may open in just over two weeks. The news from RTHK.
There's a band called Spiral Staircase, one-hit wonders it is fair to say, but they kept going for a while. They started off around 1964, and I think they were still playing to the early 80s. That was their hit, more than yesterday, and we're into our second hour on this Friday night of a marvellous musical, magical mystery tour. Follow him, follow him wherever he may go. There isn't an ocean too deep, a mountain so I can't keep me away. I must follow him ever since he touched my hand. Follow him, follow him. 